Hi, my name is Jamie, and I am a depressed optimist. After years of having a bad attitude, I decided that I wanted to at least try and change that. While I don't have it all figured out, this is an opportunity to come along with me as I make my way. On this podcast, I'll get a little personal, a little emotional, and a little analytical so that I can have hope, get shit done, and find happiness. Because today is as good as any other. Hi, everyone. So, it's been a bit. I've been away. Uh, I had finals. I was doing a lot of stuff, and I just haven't really had time, but I am here. Um, And you can expect more frequent episodes in the future. So, I know that the title of this episode is probably pretty confusing. I don't know if anyone really knows what I mean, except for maybe a select few people when I say, get in your snow globe. Um, But one of the sort of main points of my whole snow globe theory has to do with emotional empathy and being an empath um and not even exactly emotional empathy but even like energetic empathy and picking up on other people's energies and just living in a world where we're sort of smushed on top of each other as human beings and where we're constantly exposed to other people's energies in our space so I think where I'm going to get started with all of this, I'm probably going to end on the snow globe theory, and I am probably going to build up to that by talking about um, being an empath and what that's been like, about living a life where I've been an empath for a really long time, but maybe didn't know it until pretty recently uh, or relatively recently in my life. So I knew always that when I was younger, I was really sensitive and receptive to people's energies. And oftentimes, even people that loved me very much described me as sensitive in a very negative way. And I feel like I'm a person who evolved now. Um, I can realize that being sensitive is not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a very good thing. In fact, I think it probably means that you might be more emotionally intelligent, that you understand yourself and others a little bit more deeply, but I always knew that I was very sensitive, but also I was kind of told constantly that that was a bad thing, that it meant that I was dramatic and that I was childish. Um, And I don't really put fault on people who described me that way because, you know, it's not anyone else's fault the way that they've been taught to look at sensitivity either because we live in a culture that really squishes down sensitivity and emotional vulnerability. Um, Most people are taught that, like, crying isn't okay and those kinds of things. And I don't really think I was exactly a crier. I just, I felt, um, I felt things very deeply and very fully all the time since I was very young. And I was always kind of told that that made me dramatic or that it was negative. So I kind of didn't really have a way to navigate that in a way that felt healthy for me. I just knew that other people's energies and being in confined spaces, and by confined, I sort of mean, I I really am recalling sort of my school experience and the school environments that I have been in a lot when I was younger and even as a teenager, those kinds of things where you're sort of with a bunch of people of your age group. I know that that's probably something that a lot of people feel familiar with being uncomfortable because for a lot of people, I feel like it is. I don't think that um, taking a bunch of 
kids, teens, middle school, whatever age you are when you're developing adolescence, you know, and just smushing you all into one building where you're not allowed to go outside all day is particularly a good idea. So I always felt like I was really bogged down with depression and I had this sort of really gloomy disposition about myself. I say in the beginning of this podcast that I'm a depressed optimist and like I do have that all experience with this depression that um, I really felt like I had felt since I was a little kid. Like I could never remember a time that I wasn't depressed and I felt overwhelmed with the world, which as a young child feeling overwhelmed with the world was like super just disorienting, I think, because it was what I was used to, but I also didn't really understand why. And I think that it was just because I was feeling everything on a much deeper level. I pick up on the emotions of those around me. Um, And I know that sort of conversations around being an empath can sort of sound um, egotistical, because I even had that sort of inclination for a while. Why do you think you're special, Jamie, for thinking that you're an empath? And I just want to say I definitely don't. I think that there are a lot of empaths in the world. And part of the reason that this is important to talk about is because so many people relate to it and so many people need to hear it. Because another thing is I think for as many empaths realize that they are empaths, there are also a lot of empaths that have really taken hold of that negativity around their sensitive emotions and pushed it down and don't want to admit that they're empaths and it affects them badly, which is sort of what I have experience with. Being an empath sort of always impacted my mental health because I was taking in all of these energies and all of these emotions, but I didn't know where to put them, what to do with them, or why I was experiencing them. I think that that was one of the most important things, is that I just had all this stuff that I was carrying that people were pushing onto me that I just picked up on, and I didn't know where it was coming from. I I thought that it was my own emotions and that there was something wrong with me, and I think those were some of the things that really um, that, that really pushed me into not understanding why and what. So I realized that I was an empath. Um, I had first heard the word empath probably when I was 19. Um, So I was out of high school at that point. I was still having a really rough time mental health wise in college, in a lot of social environments, those types of things around my family. And I forget even who brought up to me the idea that I could be an empath or that I was an empath, but I just remember that after hearing it and after being introduced to it, that idea seemed to surround me. And I think that it probably had a little bit to do with the fact that I was beginning to be involved with circles of people who take those ideas pretty seriously. I was getting much more seriously into yoga and widening my yoga practice and being introduced to a lot of people who who have a lot of yoga-related knowledge. I had gotten Reiki done for the first time. Um, I, I know that the first person who had ever done Reiki on me told me that I was an empath, and I was like, okay. Um, and I was just sort of in those worlds a lot more. So it makes sense that that would be kind of the time that I would begin to understand what being an empath meant. 
And when I was told that I was an empath and when it was confirmed for me again and again by maybe other empaths that that could feel that I was one or a lot of like wiser people in my life who know a lot more about that, I was like, okay, great, awesome. At least I know why. At least I know why I feel like when I'm around other people all the time, I have to sit myself in a dark room for a couple of hours afterwards in order to recharge my batteries. But that doesn't change the fact that I don't know how to deal with this on a practical level. So I think that uh, it might be helpful to define what empath is. Maybe I should have done this earlier, but when you Google empath, the first thing that comes up, I'm just going to read it straight from Google. An empath is someone who is highly aware of the emotions of those around them to the point of feeling those emotions themselves. Empaths see the world differently than other people. They're keenly aware of others, their pain points, and what they need emotionally. So I think that that sort of sums it up pretty well. I think that other pieces of that are that Sometimes people can energetically sense when you're somebody who is used to taking on those emotions and they will push those emotions onto you. It's sort of comparable, I think, to being the mom friend. You know, I've been called the mom friend by a lot of people, which I think is really interesting considering that I have pretty much no maternal instinct. I am not somebody who desires to have children. I mean, I like kids. They're great. I teach a kid's yoga class, but... I'm not like a momish person. I'm really not somebody with a lot of maternal energies. So I think the fact that a lot of people call me the mom friend is quite telling of the fact that I do absorb those energies and I do um, push positive energies onto people sort of. And that's, that kind of came, I think, a little bit later um, with learning a lot more about this. But I do feel like people understand that they can sort of push those energies onto me and that they can talk about things and get stuff off their chest. I think that I began to really understand and pinpoint the parts of me being an empath and what I needed to change. Like over the course of the past couple years, um, I was talking with my mom. I forget if I've even said this on the podcast before. I probably have. But I have a thing where going to enclosed spaces that don't have access to outside where people are like rushing around and doing stuff really bothers me. Um, I feel like um, my mom put it this way that like I can't go to Walmart or Target without having a couple of hours afterwards blocked off for me to be alone. That it can sometimes, depending upon what it's like in that environment that day, ruin the rest of my day to be in those spaces. I don't, however, feel quite so much that way when I'm in places where there are a lot of people where there's sort of a purpose to being there or where people are, you know, having a good time or where they're there for reasons that when they're there because they want to be there. Like, I go to music festivals, I go to concerts, big yoga classes. Those things are totally fine for me, for the most part. I mean, sometimes concerts and music festivals can be iffy, depending upon the energies. Like, because that's the thing, it does, it depends on the energies. Um, But usually, like, especially big yoga classes, like, I'm totally fine with that kind of stuff. So, I always just knew that I was having all these, these things, these energies in my space... And I sort of for a while just accepted 
well, I guess I'm the kind of person where I need to take that kind of care of myself and I can't just walk into Walmart. I can't just be out all day around people. That's just like, it it was almost like carrying some kind of health condition where it was like, these things are going to make me sick. And I know that they are. So I have to do them in small increments. I, it felt very fatiguing to me. I began to get a lot more Reiki healing over the course of the past year, especially by um, one person in particular. Her name is Amanda and she's my Reiki master. We did our yoga teacher training together and when she uh, introduced me more to this world of Reiki, because I would, I had had it done a couple of times by a couple of very talented, wonderful people. I'd never had a desire to do it myself. But as I began to feel a lot more healed from that process, uh, because she and then also some of the other people who have done Reiki on me have taught me like sort of little things that I can do to sort of protect my energies. And one of the things that she taught me about protecting my energy was sort of to just imagine like my wings coming in and like other things like that, just sort of physically protecting my space, like my auric field, I guess is what I would would say is like protecting that field. Um, I used to like, and I still do a lot of the time now, um, wear a lot of white and a lot of light colors, very Eric stuff. And that sort of, I found out was inviting a lot of energies towards me and it's more protective to wear a lot of black. And I began to do that again. Instinctively, when I was younger, I wore black all the time anyway, it felt most comfortable to me. So it's sort of interesting that I found out that there was sort of a methodology to that. And I had a couple of experiences that really tested my empathic qualities that really got into my space and my energy. And I felt like I was really just drawn to getting Reiki and to having that energy poured into me. And for those who don't know what Reiki is, My Reiki textbook defines it as a laying of hands, healing touch systems of incomparable ease and power, and that Reiki is a part of every one of us. Reiki, um, in a more practical definition, is the use of channeling energy to help heal both the body and the spirit. And my Reiki master sort of describes it, Amanda describes it as you are a roll of paper towels or a tube at the center of the roll of paper towels and you are a channel so that things can shoot through you and into the person that you're healing. I don't know if I exactly like to use the word healing because I don't really like the responsibility of I'm healing somebody um, because, um, spoiler alert, uh, I am attuned. So we're going to get to that though. But I started receiving a lot of Reiki at that point and Amanda had brought it to my attention that even if I didn't want to be a healer and I didn't want to put my hands on people and use that because that's not really what I felt that I needed at that point. I didn't want to be healing other people. I needed to be nourished and to heal myself. And she told me that, you know, you can do Reiki on yourself. You can get it soon for level one and do Reiki on yourself. And that can help you also bring in your energies, protect your energies And I was like, okay, maybe, but let's see. I'm just going to get more Reiki done. And like I said, Reiki is literally channeling the forces of the universe and the energies of the world into another person's physical body. So I was receiving a lot of that, a lot from, from my Reiki master, Amanda. 
And I was receiving a lot of that. I was sort of being nourished by a lot of that. And it felt like I could, for the first time, really sense my energies and protect them and understand when I was having those triggers, those empathic triggers of having people push energies onto me, of being energetically overwhelmed, not just by sounds or sight or or claustrophobia of any kind. I'm not even claustrophobic. If I'm alone in a room that's really tiny and it's just me, I'm totally fine. Then I thought, you know, maybe give this a try. I'm going to do it. So I'm not going to get too far into what the process is like of my Reiki attunement. I am a level one, and if anybody knows what that means or or doesn't know what that means, it's basically there are three... uh, attunements in Reiki. There's level one, which is the first where you can heal yourself and heal others and those kinds of things. There's level two where you get more advanced and then there's master level where you can attune other people. One of, one of the things that um, that Amanda told me about this was just that your soul and your body and everything starts preparing for your attunement before you even know that you're going to do it. And I definitely felt that. I felt my energies getting more protected and stirring up and sort of allowing me to access more of myself. So then I did it. And here I am now. As an empath, one of your things is that you do have the space to pick up on other people's energies, to read other people's energies, and to maybe help channel some of that energy from the universe. It's exactly what Reiki is. And I realized that... I could actually make myself available to do healing, to work on other people, to do Reiki on others, which I didn't even think that wasn't even a part of my plan when I first became introduced. I I even was unsure if I wanted to do a level one attunement, but I just sort of went for it and it opened up this whole new world. I've worked on a lot of people. I've worked on friends and family and people I don't even know that well. And I've realized that, you know, when I create the specific space to share that energy, to use myself as that channel, it doesn't feel overwhelming in the same way that it feels when things are being pushed onto me. And I sort of have regained a lot of that power in feeling like I'm using that empathy, that empath quality to do something that I want. Because for the longest time, it felt like something was being thrust onto me like it felt like something that I didn't choose because really I didn't choose it um it it doesn't like it chooses you you don't choose it and when I first discovered I was an empath back when I was 19 which it feels almost so long ago now but it really even wasn't that long ago I'm 21 but I remember when I first learned of the terminology I just thought to myself god I don't want this this doesn't seem like fun. This seems like a chore and I don't even know what to do with it. But now I'm sort of coming into the space where when I want to use those qualities, I can and I use them for myself, for other people, and it's healing all around. So what happens when I don't want to be doing that? When I don't want to be picking up on other people's energies? That is when we come to the snow globe. (laughs) So this actually, this conversation that I had, uh, I have to accredit this to a dear friend of mine, someone who else who was in my yoga teacher training with me. I, I, she didn't even come up with it herself. This was somebody that she knows. Um, I hope that she's okay with, uh, with me sort of adopting this for myself. So this conversation with this person came 
before my attunement, slightly before, but I think that this conversation in conjunction with my attunement have sort of compiled to make me somebody who's a lot more knowledgeable about my own energies and about how I'm protecting myself and also using my empath qualities towards other people. I was meeting up with a friend of mine. I hadn't seen her in a while, not since we had graduated from teacher training, and I can tell that this person is an empath and she is also like in a similar way to me sensitive to to other people's energies and we were talking about you know working in places with lots of people and existing in spaces like busy restaurants and like businesses and you know like I mentioned the example I keep going back to Walmart or Target because those are some of the places that I feel it the most and she shared with me a theory that I have honestly ran with and lived with and I can tell when somebody really gets it and really loves it and really understands it on the level that I understand it. Because sometimes I'll say this to people and they'll be like, okay. But I figured that with the amount that it's affected me, I need to do the service of sharing it. Basically the gist of this snow globe uh, theory is when you walk into a space, any kind of space, you just have to imagine, and not even imagine, but, but know to yourself that every single person in that space, yourself and the rest of everyone you see, is in their own snow globe. Their energies are inside of their bubble. Your energies are inside of your bubble. It helps to picture it physically, and it also helps to just kind of think about it and know it. And every time you walk into a room assessing all of those bubbles, and I have to admit, like, I'm not the best at doing this all the time, but I know that when I need it, it's there and it helps me. Because one thing that I think I've thought about a lot and I've tried to sort of grapple with a lot in my time being involved in circles of people who are spiritual and conscious is, you know, the way that so many people talk about the fact that we're all connected and we're all one and we're all one being and we're all on this one planet and we live in the same space and we're all just this idea of interconnectedness. And I think to certain people who have empath qualities or who are empaths, that can feel really overwhelming. Just the concept that everyone else's shit has to also be mine. Because really, it doesn't have to be mine. I am not responsible for other people's energies. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to reach out my hands and give that to people when I know I'm in a space that that's conducive to me. And I don't mean it to be that we're not all interconnected, but I think that that can sometimes take on a really overwhelming quality for empaths because it feels like you walk into a room and everybody's shit just has to be yours because that's what you've been given in life. And no, like it doesn't have to be that way because you are in charge of your own energies. Being an empath does not mean that you have to be a doormat. And I think that so many people have kind of gotten used to that idea. I'm an empath, so that means I have to soak up everything from everyone. No, because being an empath is a gift, it's not a chore. And I think another piece of this that has really made me think, we're all individuals. And I really love holding on to that, 
holding on to that individuality that I feel of myself, that I can see every other person in their snow globe and know that that snow globe is them and that is their energies and that's special and that's wonderful. I love to look at that. I love to see that. We don't all have to be all the time this one big blob stuck together of a bunch of people and a bunch of energies because even though we are all interconnected, I think that certain spaces don't always take the time to acknowledge the really wonderful pieces that come from the fact that we all are individuals that have something to offer this world that is unique and special and personal and unlike any other human being on this planet. I really love to think about that and I really love to know that. I think that beyond the protective nature of this snow globe theory and the way that it can really help me understand energies and keep those energies sacred to me, it can also help keep other people's energies sacred to them and sacred to me. It has sort of helped me manage and love being an empath, that in combination with my Reiki journey. And I think that neither of those could have existed without the other. That with just learning this snow globe theory, I've learned how to protect myself and how to keep my own energy sacred and to not feel responsible for everyone else all the time, even people I don't know. But I think if I had just had that alone, it may have made me isolate myself. And then with Reiki, it helped me open up and understand that being an empath is not a chore and that it's something that I can use that can heal myself and other people and that I can offer that to people. But I think that maybe just having that alone may have made me feel burdened with that responsibility of thinking that, well, now I have to channel energy to every corner, to every single person all the time. And I think that that may have really bogged me down and made me feel like, you know, this is a chore and now I've just taken more steps to doing it better. So I think that for me, that's been my journey. I don't think that it has to be everybody's journey. I think that if all you take away from this is the snow globe theory, that is amazing and I hope that it serves you well. If even one person uses it to think in a critical way about their lives and about the way that they accept energies on a regular basis, I feel like I've done my job in sharing it. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in another podcast.